0: This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA community media organisation, JOY. Keep JOY on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. JOY, a diverse sound for a diverse community. This JOYcast is a free service brought to you by JOY 94.9. Support JOY 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. I've been around the world.
1: Welcome to Detours listeners, this is the gayest station in the nation's, gayest travel station show in the
2: nation. (laughs) You're making a point there Greg, Shalom Aleichem everybody, welcome to Detours. Um, I'm hoping everyone's had a beautiful week because today has turned a bit sour and even in my um, ever sunny mind, which I tend to live through, I always think the day is going to be beautiful and amazing, but today starts off with voting for most of us. If you haven't voted in your local council elections, Get to it because the queues are just going to get longer and, and longer a, and less caffeinated.
1: And it's a fifty-dollar fine if you don't. That's it's a fifty ha- bucks, ha- is it? That's uh, twelve cups of coffee. Is it? Depends where you go to. If you go to the cheap <laughs> place here in Burke Street, opposite City Village, it's a dollar a cup. Oh, is it? Yes. So that's <laughs> 50 cups 50 of coffee. cups. <laughs> Using old maths, yes. Uh, Using yeah. old maths. And yeah. we are very old. Not times. rounding up with GST. Now, we've got an exciting show today, a brilliant show today. Yeah, very interesting. young man we're going to introduce very shortly who's travelled uh, through Europe. Very exciting trip to yeah, Italy. Yeah, just recently and spent a, a, a lot of, of time in Italy.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Got a lot to tell us. Uh, somebody who has uh, a fair bit of uh, travelling experience experience as someone who's also been training very hard to do something uh, pretty important, pretty impressive and to represent Melbourne and Australia so we're going to hear all about that in a minute but tell us about your week. What was your travels Greg? Where'd you you go?
1: Uh, Well, well, This is one of those weeks where one goes nowhere. Okay, (laughs) an internal journey? No, spring in Melbourne is the best time to actually plan to be in town there's so much happening, the uh, the parks are out there, the gardens are in full bloom you've got uh, coffee shops, you've got cafes people coming out, you've got men in shorts, you've got women in shorts, it, whatever your predilection, it's out yeah, there. Yeah, either men or women in shorts. <laughs> <laughs> so as they're wearing shorts. But what about you, Mark? Um,
2: I took an inward journey this week. I discovered meditation apps on my iPhone and I could not be happier. I've been sleeping better than ever and I love spring for everything that it has, apart from the pollen, the plane trees seem to inject straight into my face as I walk up Collins Street. And... Uh, between finding um, a remedy in horseradish and garlic And thank you very much, Claire Balsker, for that um, I have also found that meditation helps me sleep Instead of pumping myself full of pseudoephedrine And, <laughs> and going sleepless all week So that was the internal journey I took this week It wasn't very far, but it was Fantastic. a very important
1: trip for me <laughs> Now if you've travelled anywhere, if you've returned Let us know, 0427 JOY949 Drop us a text or email on air at joy.org.au This is Detours with Mark and Greg Stay with us for the whole hour And you're right, our guest this week, Mark, is a very exciting man, Steve Vicarioli. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Good afternoon. How exciting is this? We haven't had a man that's been a bit of a sport fan... Sporting mammoth, huge sporting prowess for quite a while. Here actually, we had the
2: Lycra loving team the other week. And just before we wow. start, Steve, sorry to digress from you, the Lycra loving team are pumping their legs all the way up to uh, where were they going Hillsville. Again? Hillsville today. So they're on their 100 uh, kilometre trek, 200 kilometre trek, well, yes. today up and then back. Okay. And um, we left
1: around about 6 am, 630 am this morning, yes, yep, Park. Exactly, and there's some uh,
2: really beautiful uh, sunrise photos uh, posted on Facebook, so um, get to it, have a look and see what they've done, and get out and support them if you can. But talking about Facebook, I believe that our guest is not on Facebook, and I struggle to construct that sentence, because it's such a ubiquitous thing. How?
3: Well, you know, Facebook's only been around for a little while, and people still manage to run their lives without it, and I'm still continuing that tradition. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> did they really <laughs> yeah.
3: well we're all still here and yeah well true there's that
2: but let's not talk about Facebook let's talk let's about you've just come back from four weeks primarily in Italy was there anywhere else
3: um, well I was also on a cruise which left from Italy and went to a few other places in the mid. so okay. but primarily in Italy just start off um, first of all we landed in Rome and we had five days there, and we got to see all the um the cliched sites of Rome, the Eternal <laughs> City. Fantastic! Did you wear um, a toga? Not quite. Not quite. Did no. Did you see a vomitorium? No, we didn't manage to get. Did not see all the sides? Wow. <laughs> so what did you see? Um. Well, I guess the highlight for me in Rome was the Colosseum. It's just the most amazing structure I've ever seen in my life. When I was walking. With, walking around the corner and it suddenly was there right in front of you. Um, it just looked like it was fake. It looked like I was standing in front of a green screen and they were having something projected on it. It was just and so... Russell Crowe
2: was about to jump out.
3: Yeah, something like that, yeah. It was just so big and solid and awe-inspiring and, yeah, it's incredible. So what do they
2: take you through on a tour? And is this something that you have to pay for and it's guided and it's very organised and structured or is it a bit more Italian than... Uh, laissez-faire, which is French, but <laughs> <laughs> Close you <enough>. answer. <laughs> yep.
3: um, you can just uh, turn up and go in, um, depending on the day and the time. Sometimes a line-up can be quite a quite a journey in itself, just to get in the front door. Um, but if you just do the um, entrance fee, you can just walk in and you just wander around the place Selfish by yourself. Floor. So, yes. And obviously, there's, you can also hire an audio guide if you want a little bit of extra information about um certain points in the coliseum as well
1: were there any points where uh, you're in there in the Colosseum and the expectations didn't match what you're, you're feeling you, you actually had a greater sense about what the building was and the journey that people went through as they came through this building were there any eye-opening moments for you as you walked through the coliseum um the whole thing was
3: eye-opening and incredible because it's just so big and it's so solid it just it's hard to get your head around how big and solid it is. It's not a Caroline Springs prefab home then? Definitely not. Definitely not. This thing's been around for a long time and I yeah. suspect it'll be around for a long time what more. Was, so. What was the biggest impression that it left on you? Um, I just guess the how solid, it, and I keep using that word, but it's just, I can't think of any other word of, of describing it because it's just so big and you know it's not going to go anywhere. Um, just the amount of stone and effort that they
1: put into making that place is just, just amazing. Do they have a display as well that shows you what it would have looked like in, in, back at the time it was in use? They've got a little bit of um, bit of
3: a, some display areas in one part of it, um, like a, almost like a mini-museum type of thing, and they sort of showed you the history of not just the Colosseum itself, but actually that site, because there was things on that site before the Colosseum was there as well, these big monuments and stuff, so um there was a bit of yeah a bit of history there and but it was mostly about what was happening in the coliseum because that's what everyone wants to know about the you know the games and yeah, of course all the blood and gore and all the good stuff
1: now they, they apparently had wooden floors that were over some of the roofs and, and trap would would appear and magically lions or other animals would jump out into the stadium did you how did that work they've reconstructed just a
3: small section of the wooden floor just just as an idea and it's almost like a little stage almost um, and I think on the guided tours you could actually walk on there but it gives you a sense of where the floor was because otherwise it's all bits of stone and it's not always that clear but there was a bit of wood floor there so you could tell that and um they had little diagrams and and little diorama type things explaining how all the pulleys and lifts work to get all the animals out in the middle of the stadium to surprise the (laughs) poor unwitting gladiators um yeah so it was pretty amazing okay so after your Spartacus moment what happened then um well we saw a few bits of other other places in rome um I'm
2: fascinated about Rome and Roman history. I watch the Hitler – sorry, History Channel Mm -hmm. uh, on a regular basis. When they don't have uh, Adolf and his team goose-stepping across Europe and then being crushed back again, they have Rome. And uh, recently I've been um, watching some shows uh, and they talk about the the aqueducts and the viaducts and the public um, uh, toileting facilities they had for people and how – incredibly advanced they were in their engineering and uh civil structure and how everything worked did you go and explore some of that stuff that's still remnant or is any of that something that's day-to-day roman life today
3: um well i guess what part of is part of day-to-day life is there are water fountains everywhere right there's just water just trickling out of certain fountains and and they've been there forever they've been there since for the year dot from what i what we can all work out um and it's beautiful water it's not like you have to worry about drinking it. You can just fill your water bottle up and drink. It's beautiful, tastes beautiful, nice and cool. It's fantastic. And that's
2: from a Roman aqueduct that's been
3: there for several thousand years. That- that's, and this is part of the, the infrastructure of the city. It's just a fountain popping out of a wall for no other purpose other than to provide water. And it's not like you turn the tap off. It just continually running and that's what that was a bit of a shock to me coming from melbourne where we've got the water restrictions <laughs> and you're saving every you know you turn your, your tap off when you're washing your teeth where his water is just pouring out of the walls continuously all day every day so that was a bit of a um almost a culture shock to see this water just flowing <laughs> freely now to travel to rome did you travel by yourself or with a group of people there was a couple of us going over because there was a few of us going on the um the cruise which left in uh from Civitavecchia just a couple of days later
2: okay let's talk uh, about that let's talk about this cruise what what was the cruise mm-hmm. that
3: you went on um it's run by the atlantis events touring company and it's a it's a gay cruise so the whole population of that boat all the guests on that boat were um were gay and predominantly gay men so well, if was, they were
2: when they got on they were when they got off it
1: yeah it was pretty amazing so <laughs> if women were on that cruise if there were women or trans people mm-hmm. how do they um Establish their own space in a, a ship full of men with masculine gay culture. They were there were definitely
3: women on the boat. Um, there was 27 women on the boat compared to about 2800 guys. So, oh, so, this is a big cruise. This is this is a pretty substantial size boat. Yeah, Yep. Yeah. And so yes, there were 27 women on the boat or 27 guests. Oh, obviously, there was women crew as well, but guess wise, there was 27 women. And um, I think they had a fabulous time because they were treated like. The special one because they were
1: oh it's fantastic isn't it embracing of culture very good what was the highlight for you of the cruise a highlight no, we're, we're, we're a community station so you've got to keep it clean <laughs> you it's can't all, talk about any spa details
3: <laughs> it's all pg rated i promise um the whole experience is fantastic to do to do touring with that many gay men it's 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 good fun you still feel so comfortable and secure and just walking around the place um they have great entertainment on the boat as well and i guess i had the most fun at one of the um and they're all theme parties so people get dressed up and when i say people get dressed up most people get dressed up quite a lot
1: Do
2: do you know about this before you go on so you take your your whatever's with you, or do do they have like a craft arts and craft <laughs> table where you can go and turn your tea towel into a g string? Or
3: they, they um they give you the list of the of the parties and their themes a couple of weeks before, so you've got right. a bit of time to go shopping or get your faff out or something. So you can definitely get ready. And people do... Some people just go all out. It's just... I swear they must have two or three suitcases just of costumes. It is it is incredible the way... The lengths that people go to to get dressed up for these parties. So i take it some of these people on the cruise cruise veterans and others like yourself for cruise virgins. It was your first cruise. It's my second cruise, but there's lots of people who have been on many, many cruises.
2: Okay, so these cruises, it's not just the the port of call that's the entertainment, it's the onboard entertainment as well, being with like-minded people, uh, partying together, spending uh, time meeting new people, learning about their cultures and so forth. And I'm assuming that everyone's from all around the world. You came from Australia. Where else were people from?
3: Um, it's a American-based company, so I guess the vast majority were um americans oh they were okay um yep usa um australia was the next biggest contingent funnily oh, really? enough because everyone's starting to learn about these cruises and yeah hear that they're so much fun and obviously i think with the state of the economy and all that sort of stuff we probably get a little bit more options to travel with our yes. dollar being quite high relatively so um australia was next but there was people from yeah you're right from very many different countries um pretty much all
1: over the world you can think of, and there was at least one person from there.
2: Right, okay, cool.
1: Yep. Now, if you have a question for Steve, Steve I our guest here on Detours today with Mark and Greg, and it's coming up to 12.17 here at Melbourne, beautiful City Village, Studios of Joy. Email on air at joy.org.au with your question for Steve or on air at or, or, uh, 0427 joy 949 is the SMS number. Just as Ken, who's just returned from Japan, Ken from Portland, thank you for messaging in to say he's just come back from Japan where he's visiting friends. Went to Hiroshima and the seaside and it was fun, but fall now over there, so a little bit cold. Yeah, getting a bit cold. Yeah, messages here in the Detour Studio, here on Joy 94.9.
0: Joy 94.9. Never would have hitchhiked to Birmingham If it hadn't been below Never would have caught the train to Louisiana If it hadn't been below If it hadn't been below If it
1: hadn't been, if it hadn't been for love. If it hadn't been, if it hadn't been Oh, love. Melbourne's most lovable station is now giving you more reasons to listen. Joy 94.9 And you're on detours on Joy 94.9 with Mark and Greg and our special guest, Steve Vicarioli.
2: Vicarioli, and yeah. we just heard from Adele. I just uh, want to mention that we've had people asking uh, what the name of that track was. It was from her album 21, and it's called If It Hadn't Been For Love. Awesome performer. Awesome, awesome performer. And another awesome performer is Steve Vicarioli, who has, is just about to tell us what he got up to. The boat farewelled itself and, unlike other Italian cruise liners, managed to stay upright and took you where?
3: Um, well, the first first day we spent at sea because we were travelling around to the Greek islands, so there's a bit of um, time to get there. So we um, got to explore the boat and meet other interesting people um, on, the, on the boat at sea on the, on the first day, effectively. Uh, and then we landed at the Greek islands, which is always always good fun.
2: Yeah, absolutely, and, and perfect weather for it because you've just come back, so it was midsummer there too, wasn't
3: it? Yes, it was quite quite warm. Yes, yeah, yeah, so so I imagine the perfect. Greek islands would have been absolutely
2: covered in tourists.
3: Yes, and especially when twenty seven, twenty eight hundred gay men rock up on the one boat, it tends yeah. to <laughs> tends to flood the place. Yeah, I'm sure. And where, <laughs> where did you get to first? Uh, first port of call, we stopped at Mykonos, right? Um, and that's that's a cute little cute little place. Um, very famous place. Very famous, and I'm sure lots of people have been there before. Yeah. Um, Did you see Mamma Mia? Not quite. <laughs> they they often play the um, the soundtrack oh, to, <laughs> as as we were coming into Mykonos. It's a bit bit of a bit of a bit of fun. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> and where'd you go next? And Santorini is always good fun as well, but I recommend not going up the donkeys because smell
2: yeah could you explain it expand on that if, even if you have to clap it out tell <laughs> us about the
3: <laughs> well santorini was um it's built on a volcano and unfortunately quite a while ago half of it blew up and fell oh. into the sea so what's left of the town is actually hanging on a quite a precarious cliff and it's quite high and so the only way to get up there is on the back of a donkey or you can take that the cable meant? car right and, and uh, people still live there it's, it's a functioning thriving city. town it's a cute little place um tourists I guess is probably the biggest income because it's quite pretty um and you did the donkey. I did not do the donkey um <laughs> I'm glad I didn't um cable car is much better value for my for my euro so how how do people get their shopping and stuff
2: up by cable car? Is this a, like a commuter service that everyone needs to use to get forward and back to the port and
3: well, I, I suspect if you live there, you probably don't get to the port very much. I think there's more of the, of the town or the island on the other side of the island, which is right. which doesn't have the big, huge cliff. But the port where the cruise ships call in has a yeah, couple hundred metres cliff to get up before you can okay. get very far.
2: That sounds fascinating. It is good fun. So, with
1: 2,700 people, 2,800 people all arriving at one time, um, how do the locals handle that? Or is it a a well-established business centre for tourism? It's all, it's extremely touristy. And I
3: think when they see those boats rock up, they clap and cheer and say, come on and buy my stuff. Because, yeah, I think that's a big part of their income is to have all these tour tour boats come through.
2: Yeah, And times are a bit tough in uh, good old Greece at the moment. Exactly. Yeah, it must be a big big challenge for a lot of people to uh, try and see the week through every week mm-hmm. yeah well um so on a brighter note where, where'd you go after this incredible hillside with the uh, asses all over the place
3: i met uh, donkeys by that the donkeys yes uh the next port of call that we went to was um kusadasi in turkey and they have a famous um archaeological site right next door um called ephesus right and that's a. I uh, i guess it's you could if you want to do the cliche, it's similar to Pompeii's and it? it's a it's an old ancient city that's been um, excavated and they have tours through that and it's all very fascinating and there's lots of incredible stuff to see there as well, including a massive big uh, amphitheatre in the side of a hill. And I think it seats, oh, I don't know, 30,000 people or something. So it's this massive oh, wow, amphitheatre, but it's been there for, you know hundreds, thousands of years, so hundreds of years there.
2: Was the next town you visited not beset by a disaster in its history?
3: <laughs> I think Europe is always beset by a disaster, so <laughs> you never go too far. <laughs> yeah, bittersweet. What was next? <laughs> uh, and then we went to um, Istanbul. Oh, amazing. Yeah, and we stayed there for two days, really, so a day, day and a half. And what were um, your impressions of Istanbul? Uh, Istanbul is... Not Constantinople. Not Constantinople, um, but it is incredible um, and we were very lucky to be there on their national day, so they had the Turkish flag hung off almost every single building in the city, so that was really um, amazing to see
1: did you experience did twenty seven hundred people descend on the, the most available Hamal and do a Turkish steam bath? <laughs> there was one of the tours that had um, a bath experience included, and I think it was quite popular yes. <laughs> I bet it was. They have uh, like a section, one half is women and one half is men. Sometimes you go through the front door and you can just see the heads of the people at the other side. So I can imagine 27 girls on the female part and 2,700 (laughs) on the the male part. Bizarre. Just bizarre. Yeah, it would. (laughs) The home of Turkish baths. Among other things, yeah. Among (laughs) other things. And what else happened? (laughs)
2: Did you go to, uh, after the Turkish bath, did you manage to get to the great big mosque that used to be a church? Was that the Sophia... Ah. I think it's called.
3: I can't remember the exact name, but the Sophia part Something. is in there. Yep. Yeah. Um, the the buildings in Istanbul are amazing. Incredible, They've right? been decorated crazily, just crazy patterns and gold everywhere and marble and all that sort of stuff. And obviously, they've, been, they've swapped and changed between a Christian church or a, or a mosque, or, and they've often changed backwards and forwards, sometimes two or three times. And each time they redecorate, or partially redecorate, or they'll repurpose some of the some of the um, decorations for their own for their own religion. So it's amazing to see all these sort of blurring of lines.
2: So it's like a nineteen eighties members only jacket that is reversible. That if you get sick of one colour, you can just flip it over. You have got the same jacket, different look. Not quite. No. Not <laughs> okay.
3: Quite.
2: Okay. So um, after uh, Istanbul. It gets more interesting. Where'd you go next?
3: Uh, the next day we spent at sea again because we were coming sort of on the return leg effectively. And it took us a little while to get to Malta and we called in it um, Valletta.
2: Okay. What's Valletta like? You don't hear a lot about Valletta. and The Maltese people are very famous.
3: Yeah. Um, it was very interesting. Um, very, very pretty town. Um, again, very old. Um, and I think a lot of influences from other other parts of the world
2: because the Maltese language is very influenced by Arabic isn't it so yeah
3: that's right and you'd think it's it's quite close to italy but and you'd think okay that they're, they're probably very italian but they're not it's yeah they're more more arabic or even other parts as well and it looks uh, very dry
2: Okay, so it was more of an eastern Mediterranean, getting towards the Middle East kind of, lots lots of bleach rock look. Is that what it was like?
1: Yeah, that's right, yep. Now, when you arrive at a place like Malta, how much, uh, I suppose, directional guidance is provided by the, the cruise staff? Do they have maps? Do they uh, organise guides? and Lethalets? Is it like a concierge sort of process that happens on board to link you with the shore? Um, at every, every port, they give you um, several
3: possibly half a dozen options if you want to do a guided tour and that's basically they take care of everything so they give you a time to get off the boat they'll give you a bus to somewhere else perhaps and then guided tours um, that's one option uh, the other option if you just want to wander by yourself they'll give you a little um yeah, like a leaflet with a map of the of the the port or the city that you're that you're calling in at and a, a list of highlights that you might want to go and see perhaps the mosques or the the churches or whatever is important for that city. Um, so you can just get off the boat and wander by yourself.
2: Okay, so it's all very highly organised and you can play it by ear as you're going. Is that what you're saying? That's the, right. If you felt on the day that you really wanted to absolve the sins from the night before, they'll give you a list of where to go to do it. If you just want to uh, be involved in a group and have somebody else guide you around appointed things, they'll uh, arrange that for you as well. Is that how it works?
3: Yeah, often the um, often tours can sell out, so it's often if you if you really want to go and see a certain Thing oh, that that right. tour is going to, it's it's worth booking that perhaps the day before or a couple of days before. Okay, um, but you can play it by ear if you like, depending on what's available at the time.
2: Mm. Right. Okay. Oh, very interesting. I'm I'm, mm. I'm enjoying that's, the that's idea easy,
3: right? of doing this. I've
1: never done a cruise before. Have well, you, Greg, I've been to to reverse. <laughs> and I'm starting to get, get a bit warm for this I reckon it might be a bit of fun to go on a, a, a tour I think Steve Viccioli, our guest today Would be a fabulous person to have on a, a share a cabin with His <laughs> exploits and his journey So maybe we can organise that Would you like to be on a cruise with Steve Vickiroli? 0427 <laughs> JOY949 Or on air at joy.org.au This is Detours with Mark and Greg And uh, we've got a bit more music, Mark yeah, we, musical we, director?
2: We're going European but we're not going uh, Maltese we go, We're going
1: to listen to Charles Aznavour here Fantastic, you're on Joy <laughs> 94.9 Joy Joy 94.9 À 18
0: ans, j'ai quitté ma province bien décidé à empoigner la vie. Mais un jour viendra, je leur montrerai que j'ai du talent.
2: Keep us on air. Become a member today. Call 1-300-Joy 949
1: joy 94.9 and here on joy 94.9 it's mark and greg and detours with mark oh no it's steve vicariolli <laughs> that's who it is our you're guest you're a today. gog greg i'm a gog i'm just amazed we, with the cruising and life on a boat and that amazing kicky track from the uh, jaunty charles nevaux uh merci beaucoup for that that was great and let's get back to europe well matthew from Bayswater said now it's not a boat he says steve he says it's a ship I know. I keep calling it the boat. I really shouldn't. It's a rather large ship. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> How correct. large? When you when you talk about the length and breadth of this Men thing? always lie. And <laughs> <laughs> in, in, not in gay measurements now. How large is it? I'm not 100% sure
3: of the dimensions, but it, had, it could take about 27 or 2800 guests. And there was at least, a th- I think there was about 800 or 900 crew. So... These are all That's people huge. on the same boat, the same ship at the same time. So it's a lot of people and it's quite large, yes.
1: That's Eight a lot of people. Or 900 people yeah. just on That's the just cruise the That's just crew. That's correct, yes.
3: Um,
2: we were talking just before when you were in Malta and then from Malta you uh, turned back into the West Mediterranean towards, or well, westerly towards Italy. Is that right?
3: Yeah. Our final uh, stopover is um, in Sicily in Palermo okay and we stopped over there it was sort of a short stop over really um only part of the day what happens in palermo for part of a day um not much we discovered <laughs> we didn't do it we we didn't did do you get off
2: the boat or did you just watch it from
3: i definitely got off the boat i tried to get off every single port because it's always interesting to see all these places yeah of that's, course that's half the reason why i was going um and it it's a bit of a sleepy town, I guess, um, a lot of history, of course, um, although not terribly exciting. Um,
2: well, so is it a lifestyle opportunity to sit out and uh, sit in the sun somewhere under a, uh, the shade of an olive tree with a campari in your hand and something de- like that?
3: You can definitely do that. Uh, we just got on one of those um, open-top double-decker buses and did the, the tour at the the little little really cheesy touristy tour around uh, around the town because um, we had a couple of hours right. and we didn't do one of the organized tours
1: so we just got off and jumped on the bus and so when you do a tour like that they say this is two o'clock you're gonna be back on the, on the boat on the ship by three o'clock or five o'clock do they give you mm-hmm. a time
3: limit that's right yeah this, the ship will sail when it sails and that's if you're not on the boat you're in big trouble you're gonna make your own way then to another port and catch up with the boat that's right. They they put it on you to get back on the on the ship if you if you miss the boat.
2: Yeah, fair enough. Mm. That's extraordinary. <laughs> well, the expression that ship has sailed has been around for a while.
3: And yeah, yeah. There was a couple of guys running late for the um for the ship when were, when we we're leaving Istanbul, actually, and the ship let off its foghorn a couple of times, which probably would have echoed through, <laughs> rattled a few windows because it's quite a loud, a loud sound. So that was funny to watch this poor poor bugger, running down the, the wharf <laughs> to get on the boat.
2: Well, interesting that you use the word poor bugger in Turkey. Uh, <laughs> were there any limitations on um, particularly a, a gay male crowd? Because um, from my experience in Dubai, there was no such thing as a lesbian. So they, <laughs> Because they can't have penetrative sex, it's not illegal. Was there any of those kind of legal issues that you were presented with uh, further in the eastern Mediterranean? I wouldn't think in the EU countries, but... Were you to have been mindful of those things?
3: Um, Personally, I was. Uh, I know the Americans, some of the Americans, didn't seem to be as mindful, just the way they were carrying on and they were dressed and all that sort of stuff. But you get that with any crowd, I guess. Yeah, of course. Um, there There is a small gay scene in Istanbul. There's a few nightclubs and... You could go to them because we stopped overnight in Istanbul, so you could have actually attended those. Right. Um, but obviously, if you're visiting some of the mosques and things, they have dress code, so you should be covering your knees or your shoulders and all those, whatever the um, sig- significant rules were. Um, but because they're set up for tourists, you could get away with whatever because they would give you a shawl to put over your shoulders or, or a, a sarong-type number if you had to. So because the, the places are all very geared for tourists, mm-hmm. It's it's not so bad, yeah.
2: Okay. Um, now, after your tour came to a conclusion, what you do? You, you didn't come straight back to Australia. You, you you messed around Europe a bit more, didn't you?
3: That's right. Um, I hadn't. I had only been to Venice before in Italy. I hadn't been to anywhere else in Italy, so I thought I'd I'd want to see the rest of the country. Um, part of my heritage is Italian, but just you know, Italy is one of those famous countries that you sort of have to see. So on the, you know, right up there on the top list. So I um, thought I'd take some time to see the rest of the country. So the first thing we did was jump off the ship and we got on a train and we went down to Sorrento. And that's on a little uh, nice little peninsula and it's near Pompeii and Naples. So Sorrento's
2: the is the colourful houses on the cliff? Is that... Uh, I'm
3: not thinking Portofino. That's more Portofino and a few other places. Sorrento, it's
1: there is a cliff. It's not quite as just near Rye. <laughs> <laughs> just down the road, yeah. Um, did, did you have your sea legs back by then? Does it just take long to transition from ship to shore and then onto the train? Are you uh, still rocking? The ship is so
3: solid that you could barely feel it move, so you didn't really get your... I wouldn't call them sea legs because it's, it's such a right. massive... Ship
2: that. So they're not really handing out limes
3: to a combat scurvy, or <laughs> it's not quite eight no. bells all well kind of no. Yeah. It's <laughs> like yeah, a hotel. It's I've felt my apartment move more than that boat does sometimes because it's just such a big ship in there, and it's it's quite a new boat as well, so it's very well stabilised and and the weather in the Mediterranean's always quite good and it's never yeah. that rough.
2: Well, talk about the amenities on the ship. What else? Those nights that you were on the uh, on board and uh, with these other thousands of people. What what was there to do uh, to entertain yourself, to eat, to movies, casino? Was there all that kind of stuff?
3: Absolutely. Um, The ship is like a five-star hotel or or resort, really. Um, There's an outdoor pool, which is where the bulk of the people spent the bulk of the time wearing not much at all. Um, There was an indoor pool if you didn't want to be completely fried because it was extremely hot and the sun was extremely... You could feel your skin peeling off almost. It was it was yeah, quite intense. Um, there's a huge theatre at the front of the ship where they had um, uh, entertainment. They had um, special guests. They had um, a an, ac- an acrobatic type thing which was nicknamed uh, Cirque de Soleil. Because um, I've always seen Cirque du Soleil as quite butch and masculine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that, that part of the entertainment was actually provided by the ship, by um, the cruise line itself. Right, okay. So there was a mix of entertainment, which was the standard stuff that they always do on that on that ship, or there might have been special guests that um, the, the gay cruise company has sort of imported okay. just for our crowd. Now,
1: cruise companies always have that barrier, staff, guest, uh, and they're not allowed to actually... They can mix, mix socially at some events, but the rest of the time it's supposed to be separate. What's it like in an all-gay cruise? Do the, the, the boundaries get blurred a bit?
3: Um, I think they always say they have more fun on the gay cruise because I guess um, it's more of a party atmosphere. Mm. Um, there are dance, literally dance parties every single night and often there are, well, almost all of them had a, a theme, a dress-up theme, so they are a lot of fun. Um, and I think the gay boys spend more time out of their rooms than in their rooms sort of enjoying the boat or off off running around, whereas I can imagine their usual clientele might be not quite as mobile. Okay, so uh, uh,
2: is it normally uh, populated with older people or families, or who, who's usually going on a cruise?
3: Well, I guess the cliches is, um, yeah, the blue rent set and right. a few honeymooners, so not quite the uh, right. party animals that uh, were on on board with me. Okay,
2: so you're going back to Europe very soon, aren't you? Potentially, Yes. Yeah. Uh, so tell us about that. This is exciting. This is really interesting. What, what you, you're training in the moment, right? At the moment,
3: sorry. Well, I guess um, what I do for my exercise is I play volleyball, mm-hmm. and I play that with the Melbourne Spikers Volleyball Club. Okay, and that's the uh, the local gay and lesbian volleyball club. You're a message from me and Hosking from the Spikers saying that you're actually a life member of the
1: Spikers. As well. Okay, is that true.
3: That's right. Um, I've spent a little little bit of time at the club, and I like helping organise their events and um, helping them out. So I was president a couple of years ago and um i've passed the uh the crown on to ian actually so ian's our current president and he's doing a great job running the club at the moment
2: okay and you're uh, looking towards the out games in antwerp and that's um in about 10 months time isn't it
3: yeah that's the next big international um event for for gay and lesbian sports um, So tell
2: us about the Out games
3: the Out games happen every three or four years depending um They've only been around... This will be the third Out Games in Antwerp in uh, July, August next year. Um, there's another group called the Gay Games, and they've been going for a bit longer, and there's this whole political thing about why there are two different international events. I don't want to start that conversation. It's just no, too messy. Not.
1: <laughs> well, the last one was held at Wellington, wasn't it? Which is uh, the last Out Games and uh, Asia-Pacific conference as well. Did was that, Or is that the Asia-Pacific yeah. Games? That's the Asia-Pacific Out Games. So there's a third one. Yeah, but I guess... As part
3: of the out games is they have the, the big international event every three or four years, but in between those, they have regional events just for um, oh, okay. Asia-Pacific or North America or Europe. So that way, if you can't always get to the big international ones, you can hopefully travel a bit closer to home and still attend a big, a big sporting event.
2: Okay. Now, so you're getting... Um, is, is the Spikers are going, is it? Or how, how are you, you organised? Or is it a team from around Australia going um, to represent it's, this crazy brown land?
3: <laughs> it's, um, it's mostly depending on what sport you're playing. Team okay. sports, obviously, you have to find a team that are willing to travel and spend that sort of money and, and that sort of commitment to go to the one place at the one time and play sport. It's actually it's a pretty, pretty big effort. Uh, obviously, if you're an individual running or swimming or something you can just turn up by yourself but it's always a lot of fun to travel with a team and there are lots of um lots of local local uh, sports groups around melbourne are gearing up for this they're doing a bit of fundraising they're working on uniforms or yeah, interesting point sort
2: of you stuff. said fundraising. It was just crossing my mind. How do you how do you finance this? Are there sponsors, or um, do you rely on donations?
3: Is it self funded? It's predominantly self funded. So if you can afford to get yourself over there and put yourself up in a hotel, then chances are you'll go. <laughs> so you'll you'll probably be on the team. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's that, that's why I said it's more if you can get yourself there and if you
1: can if you play in a team sport, then you have to find that number of people. Now, that's one thing you guys at Spike has always been good at, because you, you do um, interstate tournaments in Sydney and Adelaide as well, don't you, as well as them coming to Melbourne, you go to them, and you must fundraise for that too. Um, you're part of Team Melbourne, and Team Melbourne has some fundraisers coming up as well.
3: Yeah, Team Melbourne is the um, the umbrella group for all the gay and lesbian sports clubs in Melbourne, so it's it's about all the, um, all the clubs that sort of do a, a sport or recreational activity, um, get together and help each other out, add the you know, force of numbers to help each other out with fundraising or um, just social activities perhaps um, to help out, get uh, some smaller sports started. Sometimes there's... um couple of people want to play croquet or something that's not quite as mainstream as possible. But um, if they want to get together, then Team Melbourne can help them out by promoting or giving them guidelines if they want to become incorporated or that sort of, okay. that sort of stuff. Um,
2: if people want to find out more about Team Melbourne and they want to participate or, or look to actually going or maybe uh, provide financial sponsorship, uh, lend their support, how will they be able to learn more? How can they get
3: in touch? The best way is on our website and the address is teammelbourne.org.au. And that's got links to all the different sports clubs so if you don't know where to go and to 10 bowling or whatever, you can find all those information on that on that website. And if there's something that's not there, you can contact us and we can either point you in the right direction or perhaps help you get a group started if you want. So teammelbourne.org.au. Uh, and can we find out more about the Out Games in Antwerp 2013 through that site as well? That's right. It's got links to all the different um, I- the events. There's Antwerp next year. There's also the, the next um, Asia-Pacific Out Games, which is a bit closer to home if you don't want to travel all the way to Europe. Uh, that that's in 2014, and that's in Darwin. So that'll be a great, how much fun is that? A great have? trip to bring all those people into Darwin.
1: Now their voice is Steve Vickers. you're on detours with Mark and Greg. More to come, all the way through to Pete Dillon with Cravings at One, just after Matt Thompson and his latest news. Yeah,
2: we're looking forward to hearing what the Rudy Foodie has to say today. I know that he's
1: got something cooking that's very exciting. I can smell it in the corridor. So stay with us on detours. You're on Joy 94.9. Yeah.
0: 94.9
1: It sounds just like the uh, the boat You wouldn't have had kids on the boat, would you? Steve Vicaroli, guest here on Detours Today no, funny enough, there was no, no kids on the
3: boat at all. On the ship, sorry. <laughs> on the ship.
2: <laughs> well, there were some kids at the end of that. That's Chet Faker with uh, No Diggity. Chet Faker's a, a, a local guy. Yeah. I exactly. think that was his kid
1: at the end of that track. It was
2: <laughs> brought back memories of last week with Devil
1: Child. Oh, yes. I mean, look, I mean, if you Liam do radio, Mills. it's like TV. Yeah, yeah. Watch out if you're working with the kids and animals because I'll take over the studio.
2: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, what's next for you? You're, um, is is it Antwerp or have you got anything else lined up in the next couple of months? You're a travel guy.
3: Um, well, the next thing's for um, sport in, in Melbourne is the Midsummer Festival and lots of the groups have their own events or tournaments perhaps okay, um, during that. that. Um and so, Midsummer starts on the thirteenth of January. Um, and for sports, we're having a, uh, a Team Melbourne Sports Day. where we'll get lots of the groups together, and you can come and try all the sports. Uh, if you want to kick a ball with the soccer boys, or jump in the pool with the swimmers, with the Glamourhead Sharks, um, we're Who's having that open all the two. That's open to everybody, um, and it will be free to come in. And you can try as many sports as you like. We'll have probably a good half dozen or perhaps more sports all in the one venue.
2: Okay, so do you need to know how to play these sports? Do you have to be skilled at them? Or is this open to people who may never have uh, kicked
3: a ball, swum a lap? This is open to absolutely anybody and everybody. Um, it's Fantastic. A, it's, most of the events will be a come and try, so you can just turn up. And it's, I think it's probably more about meeting the rest of the group than actually being able to kick the ball or do anything skillful. Okay, so
2: you can learn these skills and there, and there are, I'm sure there's training nights and clinics the team do so people can learn more about the sport, develop their own skills so they can participate at a competitive level, is that?
3: Yeah, I think the sports day will be a good intro. You can get to meet people, find right. out who the group are and where they meet and what times and how much effort it might be I'm sure,
2: um, I'm sure some listeners are going to be really interested in that now, how can they uh, organise that or how can they get in contact you said it was on 19th of January
3: so 19th of up, January so is the um, Team Melbourne Sports Day as part of the Midsummer Festival Yeah, um, and that's at the Footscray campus of Vic Uni uh, and there'll be lots of information obviously in the Midsummer Guide as well as on teammelbourne.org.au or We right. can check
1: out the Detours Facebook page or oh, make sure you know, there. we'll, we'll uh, promote that as well mm-hmm. it's a fantastic effort stay with us for a little bit longer more to come. We have to hear from Pete Dillon yet here on Joy 94.9. This is Detours on Joy. We do welcome sponsors to Joy. You can contact Conrad Brown or any of his team here at Joy 94.9 if you wish to sponsor this station. 1300. Oh, 1300 so number is. to call. That's Pete
2: Good. Dillon. It's Pete Dillon. Hello Pete Dillon. Tell Hello. Us, what are
0: you putting in your mouth today? Well, it's funny you should be talking about Italy because I will have an Italian.
2: Oh, okay. Mm. A real one. Of
0: uh, not in Fresh. the flesh, on the on the telephone. His name is Riccardo Mameso. He's the exec chef at Sati, which is just down the lane here, Amazing. Uh, next yes. to Joy, yes. um, because in tw- uh, the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival have announced their masterclass um, chefs for 2013. <laughs> we're all very, very excited in the food world because there's actually a chef coming from Parma in Italy, um, and the theme of the festival is, festival is earth. So we're going to talk to Rick Mameso, who's taking part in all of that. Um, also talking about Tastes of Melbourne Festival, which is happening in Elbert Park uh, in a couple fantastic. of weeks. Yeah, that's very exciting. And um, Toast to the Coast in general.
1: Now, Pete, have you ever yes. been on a cruise? we had Steve mm. Vicarolli as our guest, and he's still here today. Thank you, Steve. Have you ever been on a cruise ship? And, and how would you handle the culinary needs of 2,700 gay men on a cruise ship? That's my kind of
0: hell. Um, <laughs> uh, 2,700 gay men on a cruise ship is, is hell. Um, I haven't been on a cruise, and uh, my partner and I have actually been talking quite a lot about going on a cruise. Um, But it won't be with gay men. We'll probably go with, you know, the Blue Rinse Brigade, because that's our thing. I'm glad you didn't say
1: Serena. That's okay. That's another show. Pete Pete Dillon, Serena Ryan on Salt and Pepper on Tuesday Tuesday at 7 7 p.m. All the breaking news. (laughs) All the breaking news. I'm looking forward to uh,
2: detours finishing so I can listen to Pete Pete Dillon and this amazing Italian uh, theme that we're we're trending through today. Um, What... Uh, tell us, what have you got lined up apart from your travels? Are you much of a cook yourself, Steve Vicarioli?
3: I'm definitely not a cook. I very much enjoy having other people cook for me.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> and that's all that is going to be said on that subject? Is...
2: Yeah. yeah. So your your home isn't full of basil plants? No. Okay. <laughs> no, my home has a microwave and that's about all. Right. And is it a clock or is it a microwave? Mostly a clock, actually. <laughs> Yeah, same with mine. I uh, I do cook. I'm not uh, Pete Dillon's amazing level of cookery, mm-hmm. but I do enjoy it. I do enjoy learning things while I was overseas. I did a, a cooking school in Bangkok with my father. Oh, um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was fascinating. And um, we... Uh, we learn a lot. Oh, it'd be so much fun. Yeah, they yeah. took us through the markets and showed us what kind of massive cockroaches to cook, which are the best, which we no, didn't.
1: We preferred chicken. And... No, I think that's okay. <laughs> I think it's, it's like some of the experiences you've had, Steve. I mean, you, you do bring back some of that with you. What's the, what are the things that have impregnated themselves into your, your psyche? What's, what's never going to change after this cruise experience through Europe?
3: Oh, well, it's never going to change. Um, I'm really impressed by Italy, and I and would like to go back. Um, the food was fantastic. The men are very good looking. Um, yeah, it's a great place to be. Weather's quite good as well. Good. And money's go. worth a lot.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like Italy's on the uh, on the uh, cards for a lot of us. Um, Unfortunately we're off, but not to Italy. Thank you very much, Steve Carioli. And if anyone wants information on uh, uh, more information, hit us up on uh, the Facebook page or uh, detours at joy.org.au. It's been a pleasure. See you next week.
0: Hi, We've been around the world and nothing gets us excited like detours on joy ninety-four point nine. Thanks for listening to a joy cast from Joy Ninety Four point nine. To find out more about Joy 94.9, check out joy.org.au.
2: Thanks for listening
0: to another Joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Help us keep Joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.